become misfortune. <laughs> I'm watching you. Hey guys, welcome to episode 22 of Macabre Misfortunes. I still can't believe we've done that many of these. <laughs> Moving right along, honey. Right, hey so guys. Tr Tracy, this week we get back to a haunted location with a tragic past. Okay. So we're going to Cleveland, Ohio, to a place that we may eventually get to go investigate. Oh, really? Yeah, with the uh, young ladies from... The paranormal crew from the 502, 502. Mm -hmm. when we were up at Whispers, which we're going next weekend with them to uh, investigate up in Indiana again to the Rhodes Motel, mm -hmm. a Rhodes Hotel, I should say, with uh, Mike Couch. He'll be up there with Fun. So we'll get to see him. But they were talking about when we were up at Whispers Estates wanting to go to this place. And they actually have sent some messages and they're trying to make it happen. And uh, after doing the story, I think I would like to go if they get that opportunity. Sounds good to so, me. So anyway, we're going to Cleveland, Ohio, to the Franklin Castle. Ooh, I want to go to a castle. Well, it it doesn't. It, it kind of has that castle look, but it's it's a mansion. It's got a lot of rooms and stuff, but it really doesn't look so much like oh, a castle. like it's, ours down is, is here in Lexington. Yeah, it's not like that. Oh, okay, gotcha. It's kind of like the houses, some of the houses in Old Louisville or oh, uh -huh. Old Lexington, where it just has the turrets and stuff. But it's, yeah. It's just a big house that has that castle look. But he named it the castle, so we'll get into that a little bit. This, uh, I'm going to call it the castle because that's what he called it, even though it's just, think of it more of a big house. But the, the castle's stunning. It's got elegant turrets like you would see on a castle. It's got uh, brick red window frames. It's a really cool looking place. It's definitely got a turn of the century charm to it. Sounds so you can good. tell that it was something built in but the way late back in 1800s. The day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Tracy, some quick history. It was built by Hannes Tiedemann back in 1881. Now, this was supposed to be a dream home for an immigrant family, but it quickly devolved into a house of horrors. Well, dang. So Tiedemann, a German immigrant, he built the house. The house quickly became the site of multiple tragedies. Some have attributed the house's deaths to bad luck. Others claim that it might just be something a little more sinister at play here, and we'll cover that here in a little bit. That's why the Franklin Castle is considered one of the most haunted locations in the entire state of Ohio. So let's look at some of these tragedies that we speak of that took place here at the castle. Everything started positively enough. Like I said, Hannes was a German immigrant, and he did achieve the American dream. That's what everyone would have wanted as an immigrant back then. Tiedemann made his fortune as a wholesale grocer. Okay. He used that money to start the Union Banking and Savings Company. This made him very wealthy, so he decided to build a mansion on Cleveland's ritzy Franklin Boulevard. 
He wanted the house to be big enough for not only his family, but also big enough to temporarily house other German immigrants as they transitioned into their permanent housing. With that in mind, he hired a prestigious architect firm by the name of Cuddle and Richards, and they designed the four-story, 20-room mansion. Ooh, that's pretty nice. He named it the Franklin Castle because it was uh, right there on Franklin Boulevard, and he thought it would be a cool name. Yeah, makes sense. Soon after moving in, though, the first tragedy happened. In January 1881, Tiedemann's 15-year-old daughter, Emma, died of diabetes. Oh, my gosh. His mother, Rebecca... That is so young. I know it. Well, I mean, but you're looking at 1881. Well, that's true. His mother, Rebecca... Rebecca. Rebecca. W-I-E-B-E-K-A. Oh, that's different. German. Oh, okay. Well, I guess so. She died shortly after Emma in the house. Oh, no. What happened to her? I don't have what happened to her. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of information on a lot of the deaths other than the fact that, at least what I looked up, other than the fact that some of them were mentioned, um, that she just died shortly after was all that I have. But that wasn't the end of the death at the castle. Between 1886 and 1888, three more of their children would die at the castle. What is happening here? And in 1895, his wife, Loretta, died of liver disease. So he remarried? That's I, his, thought, I thought you said his first wife died. His mother died. Oh, his mother. I'm so sorry. Yes. Oh, okay, gotcha. And then his wife died? His wife died in 1895. So well, they moved in. Bless his heart. He moved in in 1881. And from 81 to 95, was that 14 years, his, he had four kids, his wife and his mother all died in the house. So Tiedemann did eventually remarry. And then he sold the castle to a German family by the name of Mulhauser. He would die of a stroke while walking in the park 13 years later. Okay. Did he build us on bad land? What is happening here? This is not good. But his family's deaths were not the only incidents to happen at the Franklin Castle. Not even close. After Mulhauser sold the castle to the German Socialist Society back in the 1920s, it began to develop a reputation, and not a good one. It became the site of illegal liquor production. Of course, this is during Prohibition. It was also supposedly a place for Nazi spies to kind of hide out during World War II. But reports of the hauntings started in the 1960s. That's when the Romanos, Ray and Deborah and their twins, and uh, (laughs) I think it's different Romanos. This is when their family of six moved in, hoping to turn the castle into a restaurant. They instantly found themselves battling, not health inspectors, but ghosts. We'll tell you a little bit about that right after this quick sponsor break. Tracy, these hauntings with the Romano family started almost immediately. On the day they moved into the castle, 
Two of their children saw a crying girl in white up on the third floor. Do you think it's that guy's daughter? Or do they think it's, you know what I'm saying? Well, the people they that lost several on? kids in that family. Yeah. So um, I'm sure that's a possibility. But I will tell you, not you spoiled it. Oh, crap. Mrs. Romano does think that it is the little girl that died of diabetes, the 15-year-old. We'll get into more of that later after you spoiled it. Anyways. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that don't happen very often. <laughs> I'm, I can't count on you usually to answer the questions that are later. Usually you answer the one I'm getting ready to tell you right then. But anyway, so the the kids, the two kids, they see that and they, uh, they tell their mom about it. So, of course, Mrs. Romano, she goes up, checks it out, but there's nobody there. But both of the girls saw the exact same thing. Then the entire family started to hear haunting organ music. And then they would hear heavy footsteps throughout the house. Two of the older children woke up one night because the blankets were being yanked off of them while they were sleeping. On another occasion, Mrs. Romano, she woke up screaming on the bedroom floor with an unseen presence screaming behind her. What, was she mocking her? <laughs> the the unseen present mocking her? Like, hey, look at you, little baby. <laughs> the Romanos go to their priest for advice. Mrs. Romano told him that she thought that the house was getting the best of her. And she felt that she was being haunted by the Tiedemann's wife, Louise, and that the crying girl in white was the Tiedemann's daughter, Emma. That's what she felt. The priest advised them to move out, and in 1974... They did just that. But the hauntings didn't stop with the Romanos. The new owner was Sam Muscatello. He felt like the house um, had a past and definitely had a, a reputation so it could be used as a great attraction to oh, so he's profit gonna, off of it. Yeah, yes. he's going to make a profit off of that. Which is not something most people did back in the 70s. Yeah. I mean... He invited a lot of local media to come in and check the Franklin Castle out, and many of them had some strange experiences. One of their guests was Cleveland radio host John Webster. He said someone grabbed his tape recorder from him and threw it down the stairs. He said he just stood there holding the microphone and watched the tape recorder go flying down the stairs. Then it broke broke into several pieces. Oh, darn. That's rude. <laughs> The castle was actually sold several times after that from that point. Each new owner reported strange happenings, everything from strange smells to hearing childs crying and even a woman in black standing in the window that people could see from the outside. As the hauntings continued, people started to wonder if Tiedemann's tragedies were really tragedies at all. Is it possible that he had a hand in these deaths. What? So there started to be rumors that these deaths were very suspicious. Even talk about him killing his mistress in a jealous rage and him killing his niece by hanging her from the rafters inside the castle. But is any of that stuff true? History says no. Tiedemann was actually a very kind and loving husband and father. He was a very generous man, gave to several local charities. And he was not a monster that urban legends had kind of started to try to make people well, believe Well, thank goodness for that. That would have been a really bad situation. Yeah. So today the castle is a private residence. 
the current owners don't really comment on the hauntings and uh, some of the ghost tours still actually go by the outside of the place and they uh, sometimes say that you can see the woman in black up in the window from the outside. Wow. But So no more tours inside, huh? No, not for the most part. Yeah, I can but, understand that. But they can go by and they can look at the house from the outside that represents one immigrant's American dream that became a devastating nightmare. So I wonder then that the new owners are really still having all that go on and they're just cool with it. I don't know. It's possible. I know I put a very dramatic end on that and you just blew right past it. Damn it. I'm sorry. It was supposed to be dramatic and you just, well, I wonder if, like I didn't say Uh, nothing. That's okay. My bad, babe. So I'm not going to, I've decided I'm not going to do the disturbing facts anymore. Not necessarily. But what I want to do is give a fact from the city or state from the state from where we're doing the story from. Oh, that's fun. So it may be disturbing and it may not. It just depends on what I find. So this was in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland is spelt C-L-E-V-E-L-A-N-D. Now, the name came from Moses Cleveland. He was a surveyor from Connecticut. And he founded the city in 1796. But his name is C L E A. V E L A N D. The extra A was dropped in 1831 by a newspaper called the Cleveland Advertiser because the name wouldn't fit across their <laughs> headline. So they dropped the A to make it fit and the spelling stuck. And that's something. <laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I like it better without the A. Yeah, it, well, I think you're just so used to seeing it. Because you're used to it, way. I reckon. So, anyways, maybe one day we can go check it out. It doesn't look real hopeful, obviously, because they don't, not really doing a whole lot with it. So, oh well. Alrighty. All right, guys, thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Bye, guys.